What is up, my friends? You are listening to The Know with me, Nikki Spo. And before we get started, I just want to shout out my friends at Lifetime Work. I have completely loved my office space at Lifetime Work in Coral Gables, and I can't wait to tell you all about the incredible premium co-working space by Lifetime. Stay tuned. Welcome to The Know Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of The Know with me, Nikki Spo. I am so glad that you are here, and I'm really excited for you to hear from my guest today. That's Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, who is the author of the book, Moms Moving On, which literally came out today. What, what? Big congrats going out to her today and wishing her all the success in the world. So Michelle is an author, speaker, podcaster, life coach, and a certified divorce and co-parenting specialist. So as you may recall, a couple of weeks ago, I had on Dr. Alexandra Stockwell, who specializes in marriage and marital intimacy. Well, in addition to all of the married folks I know, I also know a ton of people who are divorced and more so divorced with small kids and in the throes of co-parenting. Not only that, but my parents were divorced for quite a while and, well, I wish they had a Michelle Dempsey Multac in their lives, even though I was an adult when they parted ways. Still, I'm really excited for us to hear from Michelle today and learn about her own journey, about what it can look like to be a mom who is trying to move on, and all the tips and tricks she has about co-parenting with an ex, all of which are covered in her new book. So buckle up, kids. Let's rock and roll with Michelle Dempsey Multac. Michelle, welcome. You have been on my radar forever. Honestly, we were just talking about it before the show started. And it's like, there's been two years circling where we've kind of like been on each other's radar. And I'm just, I love everything that your social media has stood for and how you seem like such a genuine girl power enthusiast. And congratulations on your new book, which dropped literally today. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, the same can be said for you. I've been following you. I know that your message resonates with so many. Actually, I was telling, um, you know, you never know who your audience is, but I was telling my daughter's tutor, one of her old teachers that I was going to be on your podcast today. And she was like, oh my God, I listen to her podcast everywhere I go. Can you tell her I want to work with her charities? Can you tell her how much I love her? And so you need to hear that because, you know, you're, you're the one in, in the, uh, interviewer seat, but you have to know that your podcast is really making a difference for people. Oh my gosh, Michelle. That being said, I'm so honored to be here. Oh my gosh. This is like, it's a dream come true. And thank you for sharing that with me because sometimes I think, and you can probably relate to this is like, you wonder if it's hitting, right? Like if it's resonating with people. So I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And I'm, I'm so excited because I feel like I've been watching your journey. I remember when you had the setback during COVID because your book, like the production of your book, like you were hitting bumps in the road and it's like, it's finally here. It's finally here. How are you feeling? I feel, you know, I feel like people want me to say, like when you're, when you're having a baby, like, I'm so excited. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I mean, I have to be, everything I do is very transparent and very authentic. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that I'm like, you know, losing sleep right now over how the book is going to be received because I put so much passion and energy into it. And because I did include some of my own story and, and I got really vulnerable. Um, I just hope, you know, whoever is reading it can, find the parts of it that really speak to them. And it's, you know, it's evergreen content. So pick it up, use it when you need it, put it down, go back to it later. And I just hope it's, 
it's it's helpful. That's all I really want is that it, it makes a difference in someone else's life. I can totally relate to that. I, I feel like every time I like whatever, start to host somebody or I start to speak out about something that's important to me, I like, I think to myself, okay, let like let me let the God of my understanding just speak through me and somebody will hear. It's all about perspective, right? And it's subjective. So whatever, yes. like sometimes God is speaking through me. I, I believe that God is speaking through me, but like God is also in charge of how somebody hears something or receives information. So you could be delivering a message and you have no control over how that person on the other end is actually receiving it. And maybe it wasn't even something that you intended for them to receive, but it winds up being tremendously helpful in an indirect way. So I'm really excited for you um, because you. you're going to get those roundabout answers and and hits that maybe weren't even on your radar. Yeah, and it's so funny you say that about perspective. Like I, you know, obviously I post a lot of content, and 90% of the time it's well received. And oh my god, thank you for saying this. But it's so funny every once in a while somebody will take it so wrong, like the complete opposite of how I meant it, and then you know start going crazy in the comments. And I'm like, girlfriend, you are coming at this from a place of pain. I'm trying to help you. I'm you know I'm trying to flip everything you're feeling on its head right now. And it's that's the thing is you don't know where somebody is emotionally or what their perspective is when they're taking in your work and you want them to know that it's there to help, not there to trigger or not there to make them feel badly about their choices. So yeah, perspective is everything. Well, and triggers are important, right? Like if we're triggered by something, like I need to be paying attention to that. Like, and it, and it takes a, like a high level of awareness, I think, to be able to tap into that because I think the, the initial response is like, I'm triggered, respond, react, right? Um, when a trigger is really information, uh, for us to like, oh, wait, why? Why does that get under my skin so much? And in the work that you've done about like co-parenting and parenting in general, like how often do our kids trigger us that we are like, are we want to maybe react to our kids or have this like this knee jerk response, but we really need to sit back and be like, wait, why does that even trigger me? that way. Right. And that's, that's the problem. You know, trigger is such a buzzword. Like everyone's using, oh, I'm triggered. Oh, I'm triggered. Oh, I'm triggered. Okay. But that's, that's a cue. That's like, okay, why does this make me feel this way? But that takes a certain level of self-awareness that I frankly didn't have in my first marriage or even after my divorce, I had to work towards understanding why I emotionally reacted to certain things. And then once you know, it's so powerful because, you know, even, even with, you know, my husband now, I can say, all right, that situation or what you just said is such a trigger for me. This isn't you, it's me. Let me just work through this instead of just being like, ah, you triggered me. I hate you. You're bad. Like it's all, it's all on the inside. It has nothing to do with the other person. So in a nutshell, for those who are not familiar with your work, what is your book about? My book is- Mom's Moving On. It's called Mom's, Mom's Moving, Moving On. on. Real life advice on conquering divorce, co-parenting through conflict, and becoming your best self. I could de best describe it as, um, you know, a what to expect when you're expecting as a divorcing mom. The book opens up talking about my experience the day I became a single mom, and it takes you through each little part of that. There's almost 30 chapters from the moment you wake up and realize you're alone to how you start co-parenting, how do you survive those first weekends without your kids? How do you handle the legal process? What does all of this mean? And then it moves towards finding your strength, reclaiming your power, 
getting ready to date again. What does that all look like? How do you do it as a divorced mom? And so um, somebody who reviewed it over at Parents Magazine called it every divorcing mom's best friend. And I love that because that's exactly what I needed when I was going through my divorce. I was 33 years old. My daughter was two. And I had great friends and great family, but I still felt like all alone on divorce island. Like, oh, she's divorced, so we can't, you know, invite her to the couple's night. Or, you know, she's she's going through something. Maybe we shouldn't call her and bother her. So, I, you know, it's just this sense of loneliness, like nobody else understood. That's why the book was created because I just nobody should feel so alone in such a horrible time in their lives. Oh my gosh, Michelle, you're speaking to me because I feel like one of the main pillars, well, not that I feel, I know in my core that one of the main pillars of my brand and like the purpose of this podcast is camaraderie, right? Like I I 100% know what it feels like to feel completely alone and isolated on whatever island I've been on at any given point of time in my life. And what's really been a key factor in my ability to go through the healing process and actually heal as a result from it is the community, like 100% the community. And it's not about all, it's not for me, it hasn't always been about like problem solving, but actually just like being understood and like working through the back end feelings um, that are associated with like that loneliness or whatever it is that I'm going through so that I can then get to a place where I'm able to problem solve from a healthy space. So I also want to go back to the beginning with you? Like, what did your journey look like? Because you didn't just one day wake up and you were all of a sudden alone. Like, what did that journey look like? Being married previously, bringing in a child into the world with your ex and then deciding to separate. So I actually posted about this last night because, you know, obviously being in the divorce space and being a divorce and co-parenting coach, people want to know like, what got you here? Why did you get divorced? Right. And there's, there's so many ways I could answer that. And five years ago, actually, this weekend, five years ago is when I got separated. Um, I would have said, it's all my ex's fault. It's him. I didn't do anything. I just wanted to have a good marriage. And in, in getting to know myself and understanding so much of it was because of the toxicity that I brought into the marriage. I'm going to read you something so you can fully understand where I'm coming from. This, this person I follow, Dr. Leah Katz posted, we often unintentionally and subconsciously repeat unresolved childhood wounds as adults. This shows up frequently in the expectations and skill we bring to our interpersonal relationships. Bringing unresolved stuff to our close relationships can lead to some really hard and painful dynamics. And that pretty much sums me up. I had a boatload of childhood trauma that was unresolved um, that I brought into my my whole life in my 20s, every relationship, I had these anxious attachment issues. I was abandoned by my father. Those neglect issues kind of led me to just bind myself to anybody and put these expectations on them to save me. And when they couldn't, I would start, you know, destroying the relationship and, and pointing fingers. And so that didn't stop when I got married. Like I thought when my ex-husband proposed, okay, I'll, I'm saved now. Like someone wants to marry me. I unraveled in a big way. And, and I think back to my behavior and my actions and my emotions and all of it was like everything coming up from my childhood basically screaming at me, like, get your shit together, girl, you know? And, and so having that realization that I, I went into this marriage unhealed and, 
and brought so much of my own stuff into it that I should have probably worked on before. It kind of prompted this awakening to step into a world where I can help people see things from a different perspective. You know, not that everybody who gets divorced um, is also at fault. Sometimes you're divorcing somebody who was a cheater or who was abusive emotionally, physically, financially. That that's not your fault, right? Of course, we can take a step back and look at why you wanted to feel connected to that person, but that's a different story. Sometimes it's your own stuff. And sometimes you have to take a step back from the people you're around to be able to heal yourself. And that's that's truly what I felt was for me. And so I got separated and I had this mindset of like, oh my God, I've been through worse. I could, this is nothing. Like I had been through hell growing up. So for me, it was like a walk in the park. My mom is a strong, was a strong single mother. She was an immigrant from Colombia, married my dad from New York left her high and dry. She had no family here and just decided like, all right, I'm going to be fine. I will not go back to that man. I will figure out a way. So I had that foundation and drawing on that and drawing on the fact that I'm such a forward moving person, it all kind of culminated in this mom's moving on brand. I think it's really important to have strong female examples in our lives. And not all of us have that in a mother, right? It shows up in different people that we meet throughout our lives. But really being able to like look at the archetype of like what feels right as a strong woman, right? And that's not that's not going to look the same for everybody. Um, and no, and it doesn't have to. Exactly. So many people, you know, I'm constantly talking about my daddy issues, Nikki, and so many women are talking to me about their mommy wounds, mm, and those yeah. run deep. And a lot of times, you know, I. I know you've had Evelyn of Hatch and Bloom on, mm -hmm. on a conversation with you. She was the one who pointed out the Harvard research to me that says children only need one stable emotional caregiver to thrive. Maybe it's a grandma. Maybe it's an aunt. Maybe it was your fourth grade teacher who really saw the best in you. Like it doesn't always have to be a parent that is your strong role model, but there are people in your life who can definitely help you stay on the right path. So were you ever like in denial about, about your divorce? Like what helped you finally come to a decision about the direction that you wanted to take? And you mentioned before we started this call about like being a, like being an advocate for actually like fighting for your marriage and doing the work. But like, at what point is there like doing that and then denial? I don't know if it's so much denial for women as it is fear and mm. shame. Interesting. Taking the next step. Um, I think women are powerfully intuitive and they know when something's not right. Like I'd be lying if I said to you, I didn't know before I even got married that this might not be the best fit for me. But I ignored that. I didn't listen to my gut. I was hopeful. I thought, you know, this can work out. I can fix myself. People can change, blah, 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 blah. But I knew all along that it it probably wasn't going to last forever. But what stopped me from taking that next step was, well, I, I was a child of divorce. I didn't want to do that to my child. So I did at least try to work really hard, you know, counseling, the benefit of the doubt, you know, going in circles for years over like, this is you, no, this is you. I did all of those things. Um, and that was advice my mom gave me. She said, Michelle, you never want to lay your head down at night on your pillow thinking you could have done something different, or maybe you should have tried this or that. You try everything before you walk out that door. And that was great advice and the advice I give to everybody. For a lot of women, it's shame and it's fear. Shame of what are what might people say? What kind of mother will people think I am that I chose to leave instead of sticking it out for the kids, which I hate? And then it's fear of what's life going to look like after this? 
how am I going to survive? Who's going to want me? That's a big one. Is anyone going to want me? You know, I'm a single mom with three kids. I get that all the time. And I'm like, if you, if you quiet that noise and realize you're more worried about not leaving this person, you're worried about life, what life will look like after this person, then there's your answer right there. It's not how can I live without him? It's like, am I going to be okay? And so that's a very clear indication that you're probably way past the relationship. Very real stuff that I think a lot of people go through. I mean, I, I like, I could tell you how many, oh, like there's so many people. And here's another thing is like, I, I'm not the person to ask for divorce advice, you know, right? Like I haven't, I, I have a lot of life experience that is not one of my life experiences. There's times where I'm like, oh, so like this person can't understand like just my trauma or what I've been through. And then I stop and I think to myself, well, God bless that that person didn't have that experience that I went through. You know what I mean? And like that, I don't want them to have the deep level of understanding that I do, you know, because that, that was really, really painful. God bless that they didn't have to go through X, Y, Z. But in that sense, like I, I have friends obviously that are going or have been through the, the divorces and I'm not the person like to give the advice on that. You know, and so it's 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 incredible that people like you exist. And I mentioned like before we started, I I mentioned in my like intro of you that like I wish my generation, my our parents' generation, not my generation, but I wish our parents' generation had a resource like you that we were like talking about these things more. Because thank goodness our society is changing. We're finally starting to talk about very real things and problems that people face and how to cope through them instead of just like like keeping up with the Joneses and pretending everything's good. Well, and yes, in our, in our, I think social media and society in general has done us a lot of favors in destigmatizing therapy. Um, you know, I think while our parents clearly couldn't have social media in that generation, if there was a stronger call to awareness of your own mental health and, and the patterns, you know, that we repeat through childhood, like all the things we know now, our parents didn't know. And I used to get so mad at my mom, like, <clears throat> Mom, I was struggling. I was drowning. I why didn't you put me in therapy? And she's like, "Well, you seem so happy." And I'm like, "You know, I can't blame her. That wasn't a that wasn't a time where people ran to therapy. You know, they weren't going to marriage counseling. They were like making it work or they weren't." And so we have that advantage and I think we also can't blame our parents even though sometimes it feels easier to do that, but okay, we're in this space now where we know our mental health is important. We know that we have people out there who can help us through difficult times. It's up to us to harness that. And I truly believe like no shade to the men, but women are the ones who really go out and seek the community and connection and the help and the understanding. And that's why they have such a beautiful evolution as they move on. Whereas, you know, it's like a lot of men don't want to stop and ask for directions at the gas station when they're lost, right? It's the same thing. Like, let me go to therapy and figure out why all my relationships are ending. That's It's just not the same for them. And for those who do do that, those men are wonderful, but not all of them do. And I think women harness that. And it all comes back to like knowing yourself and community and what you need in order to be able to thrive. And when we know better, we do better, right? When we know better, we do better. So what was co-parenting like for you in the early days of your divorce? It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I did not think that part through. Let me tell you. How old you. was your daughter? 
two. She had two. just turned two. She was a little nugget in her diapers and was just so innocent. And like, I didn't think that part through. I thought I was more, and, and this happens to a lot of women. You're thinking about yourself. Like, how am I going to do this? You don't realize that like, then you have a whole life of co-parenting with this person. It was very hard. I think it's one of the most unnatural things a mother will ever have to do is hand over this life she's responsible for and who she likely created in her body to somebody she no longer trusts or gets along with and just says, okay, have a great weekend. Like that ah, is hard. I yeah. just got anxiety over that. Like the, the, like the idea of it, like, like in my mind, I'm like, okay, I know who my partner is. Like, God forbid I were, you know, or whatever. Like if I were to ever find myself in this situation, but right. I'm like, you think you can never handle it. Right. It's like handing your child over to a stranger almost. But a stranger that like you, you either fear or dislike, or I can't even. You know, thankfully in my situation, I was never worried about the type of father my daughter's dad would be. Like that, I wasn't like scared for her to be with him. I, you know, it wasn't like a threat, thank God. But I know for a lot of women it is. It's more just like, I'm a type A control freak. And like, I had that girl on a schedule and everything was the same every day. And I knew how she liked every little piece of food cut in a different way, like all those things. And then you're like, the, the control is taken away and it drowns you. And I write very clearly about that in my book. I write about the first night without your kids, the first weekend, the firsts of everything are very hard. Once you get past that first year and you've had that first birthday where you wake up without your children or, you know, Christmas morning, they're with their dad this year. And you're like, what is this existence? You move past it. And there are ways to do it. And you become stronger for it. And, and an amazing thing happens. You know, I'm a 50% co-parent. So I have my daughter half the time. I have learned to become so much more intentional in my time with her, like making those moments count, not like, oof, you know, go play. Like, no, what are we doing to connect? How are we bonding? What does that bonding look like? What kinds of conversations are we having? Like, to me, having less time but more meaningful time might even be better than having her all the time and being overwhelmed and exhausted. So you got to find, again, it's about shifting the perspective on its head and finding the beauty in it and doing what you got to do that first year to survive those moments without your kids because that that's hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's really hard. This conversation is so, so good. And before we continue, I'm just wondering if you love your office space the way I love mine. I seriously can't say enough positive things about lifetime work. Even though my team and I all work remotely and I'm the only one technically like in office, I love the sense of community that I get from having my office in lifetime's premium co-working space, which by the way, is the first and only co-working concept that combines exceptional workspaces with a world-class health club experience. The perks are perky for sure. I mean, from a logistical standpoint, I have felt incredibly supported. From the responsive tech support and fast Wi-Fi for all my creating needs, to the state-of-the-art conference rooms and private soundproof phone booths, I have everything I need. And I can't forget to mention the kitchen with the fresh brewed coffees. Yes, please. And that's not all. There are a ton of social perks like members only workouts, sponsored happy hours where yes, I drink water, inspiring guest speakers and media and event recommendations. I really can't stress enough the community aspect of lifetime work. And as you know, community and camaraderie are pillars of my business. 
There are eight lifetime work locations, including Coral Gables and downtown Minneapolis, and opening soon in downtown Chicago at Lifetime River North. And Lifetime Work members receive access to 150 plus Lifetime clubs throughout the US and Canada. From the flexible open plan lounge to dedicated secure offices, you will find everything you need for your own unique work style. I love being a part of this community. I love working alongside other professionals and I love my life at Lifetime Work. Check out www.work.lifetime.life to learn more about Lifetime Work. So were you fueled by your own experiences to pursue mm-hmm. your certification? Yes. Like this came after, right? Like you became a certified divorce. This divorced. all came after. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was, I owned a marketing business. I was a teacher um, for yeah, a long time. Yeah, I didn't time. know that. Where were you? Like was what grade? In New York in the Bronx, first, second, and third grade. I taught oh, wow. um, special education. Cool. It was an amazing experience. Moved down to Miami 10 years ago. Taught here for a year or two. It was whatever had Bella and I was like, I don't know. Then I was spending my tiny teacher salary to keep her in daycare. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I wanted to be able to do my own thing, have my time with her. And I had this gut feeling that the marriage would probably end. So I also wanted to make enough money to stand on my own two feet. So I had built this marketing business at a time when content marketing was like blowing up. People needed blogs for their websites. I'm a writer. I was blogging. It was great. I was financially independent when I got separated. And then I was writing for all these mommy outlets like Scary Mommy and Parents. And they were really accepting of me shifting the nature of my content to single motherhood and what it's like to be a co-parent. There wasn't a lot of that out at the time. And with that came my Instagram following and women were like, oh my God, Thank you for talking about this on here. I felt so alone. I'm like, you do? So do I. Ah, this is great. And then women would reach out with questions I didn't know how to answer. So the podcast came first. I started the Moms Moving On podcast so I can bring on the experts who really knew how to answer the questions I couldn't answer. And with the podcast came, hey, I'd love to hire you. I don't understand like what to do with my parenting plan. My lawyer isn't helpful. And I'm like, oh, you want to you hire me? I don't know. Why? <laughs> like, I... And then I realized, you know, I could get certified. So I got certified as a coach and a divorce specialist and then a co-parenting specialist. Um, And then I was taking clients one-on-one and my DMs were flooded with questions like, where can I buy your book? I looked you up on Amazon. I didn't see anything. And I'm like, oh, it's because I don't have a book. And my dream my whole life since third grade, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Winston, shout out to her wherever she is, told me, you're a beautiful writer. You should write a book one day. And that stuck with me. And my grandfather, who was like my dad, because I didn't have a relationship with my dad, who supported me and put me through school as a journalism major, would ask me all the time in his old you know, New York Jewish accent, sweetheart, where's the book? All the time. And in the summer of 2020, he got very sick and he didn't have a lot of time left. And I was like, this is it. This has to happen. I sat down next to him in his hospital bed, typing away, trying to put together the bones of the book. And um, I hired a book coach to help me. And actually, she just messaged me something so beautiful to remind me of my hard work. And she said, Michelle, never forget, like, that you started writing this book the day of your grandfather's funeral. Never forget that he's there and he made this happen. And that's very powerful for me. So like 
there's a lot of energy and emotion that went into this. I'm going to cry. You give me so much hope, Michelle. Like you really, like just seeing your journey, I like gives, it truly gives me so much hope. I, you know, I recently shared that I lost my mom a couple, maybe two weeks ago. Thank you. Um, it was a, you know, I'm going to have like an actual episode where I break down the mother wound. Um, but it was a really complicated experience losing her because, um, our, our relationship was really toxic and I, towards the end, I didn't have a relationship with her, but I always wanted to be mothered by her. And I'm not going to go down this like whole big tangent about that, but it's like, I connect to your story because I remember being a child in my grandmother's house who was like a really big player in my life. Um, and she like was a really like solid foundation and had a huge influence on my life and my creativity. Like I remember I would like make a makeshift book. Like I would like fold the papers and like staple the edge together to make the binding. And I like, I don't remember what it was, but I was like, this is my book and I'm going to write it. And I'm like, I don't know, Michelle, but I'm like, I feel like I'm on the cusp of something for myself and for my brand and like what I have to give to the world. And like, just hearing your story, it just huge. It's hugely inspiring to me. Like I feel so motivated, you know, I'm just, I'm so grateful. And I'm so glad that we got to chat because I didn't, you know, my goal with, with my podcast is to serve other people and like to really give other people a sense of community and safety, but like indirectly, like you've now had that effect on me and I'm just, oh, I'm so, so grateful. I I can kind of sense from your energy, you're on the cusp of something and you're, you're like waiting to take that next step. So all I could say is like, you wake up one day and you're like, okay, now's the time I need to move forward yeah. with that idea or into wow. that new journey. And and it happens. And for me, my life has, everything I've done in my life to make myself successful has come at the end of something really painful. So my grandfather's passing, that literally the day of his funeral, I started working one-on-one with my book coach. And I literally like, I, I had to Zoom funeral because it was in the middle of COVID up in New York. And I'm like hanging up the Zoom and getting on the call with my book coach. And I'm like, okay. And she was like, do you need a minute? I'm like, no, this is what he wanted me to do. And then if we rewind back to when my stepfather died, I was 23 years old. Um, All he ever wanted was for me to like get a real job. I was a publicist in New York, like working with rappers and athletes and partying every night. And he was like, what What kind of life is this? You need to get a real job. And he always wanted me to be a teacher. My first day of grad school was, no, my first day of teaching was the day after his funeral. Oh my God, now that I'm connecting the dot. So everything I've done, every next step I've taken forward has come after a really hard time, Nikki. And this is what I'm telling women. Yeah, your divorce is going to suck and it's hard and it's all these things you never wanted, just like the death of a family member. But the world keeps moving and how are you going to make it great after that? And that's really what my message is. As you 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 got divorced and you're like in the throes of having to co-parent and rebuild your life, right? As a single mom, th- then you got your certification started helping people. Was that hard on your ex-partner because it seems very intimidating from his perspective? I used the divorce to thrive, really, where that's not easy for so many people. So yeah, I think it was hard on him for a long time. But at the same time, you know, he can take a step back and and acknowledge that I've worked really hard and I'm doing good things. Um, And I think for him, it's really important. You know, he knows that I'm his biggest fan. Um, That's amazing. I could like cry talking about it, but my daughter's relationship with him is like my happiness, even though, you know, he may, him and I didn't work out, but like he, 
I always knew while he may not have been the right husband for me, that he was always going to be just an incredible hands-on kind of like super passionate dad. And he is like the most passion, like the, the sun rises and sets on his daughter. And, and I know that. And so I think he knows from me, like how much their relationship means that I'll stop at nothing to make it, help him make it great. Um, and that's what it's all about afterwards, you know, like when I was taking my co-parenting specialist certification, there was a, a comment that the instructor made that she said, the most important thing you can do after a divorce is put the children in the center, not in the middle, like make them the center of your decision-making, you know, what talk to your ex, no matter how much you hate each other. Okay. But what's going to be best for Susie in this, that, that, you know, I don't see her on this holiday because you're mad at me or that we make it work for the kids. And once you get to that space after your divorce, I never thought I could. Everyone tells me, oh, that'll never happen. It happens. And it is such a beautiful, transformative time. And like, you know, I can I can tell you openly and honestly, I love him, my daughter's father, for the fact that he loves her. I didn't have that. I didn't have a dad who chose me. I didn't have a dad who showed up to every single one of my sporting events. And he does that for her. And I feel very blessed. That's incredible. Let's say that again, though. Like, I never thought it could happen. Mm -hmm. But it did. You know, you get divorced and you hate each other because, you know, hate is a byproduct of love. Without love, you can't have hate. And so those emotions that you're now fighting with, like, I loved this person. They hurt me. That has to turn into something. It turns into hate. And we'll never be... Every woman who writes to me says, my ex is a narcissist. My ex is an asshole. We'll never be able to co-parent. And I'm like, no, he may be acting like an asshole or he may show narcissistic behavior, but that's because he's hurt. And that's what happens when men are hurt. And you, he's telling his friends that you're crazy because that's what a woman looks like when she's hurt, right? But all those feelings are going to subside. And regardless of how you feel about each other now, 5, 10, 15 years down the road, you still have to parent these kids together. You're going to get to a place where you realize, oof, I'm exhausted from the drama. Let's just focus on the kids. It happens to everybody. So on social media, you encourage women to address what they don't deserve and you inspire them to take control of the lives that they want to be living with their partner or without their partner, right? Or without their partner. <laughs> the moving on part of your brand is clearly key. So what are some of the biggest hurdles that your clients face when trying to move on? I think they... Uh, this internal um, narrative that they've had about how life is supposed to look like, you know, we're, we're born and raised to believe like you grow up, you go to school, you find a husband, you get married, you make kids. That's it. That's life. Right. That's not, that's not the case. And so a lot of women know that, that that's not all there is for them, but then they struggle with what it was supposed to look like versus what it might look like now. I think the other thing women need to really get over the shame you know, there is no, if, if you're not ashamed, people, other people can't shame you. There's a quote that says, you can't shame me if I'm, you can't shame me if I'm not ashamed. Like, what is the shame in moving forward to live your best life and let your kids see the lesson in that? You know, if you've worked your ass off at a job and no matter which way you turn, that job was not safe or productive for you. So you stepped away to another job, like, you're leveling up, right? It's kind of the same thing in divorce. And I think the other thing is, you know, recognizing that the the kids will be okay. Like in your head, you think you're ruining your kids' lives, but you're actually teaching children that 
You're allowed to take control of your destiny. You're allowed to make choices that feel good for you. You're going to help them because you're a mom. You're going to help them understand. You're going to help them through the challenges of co-parenting or adjusting to life in two homes. And they're going to thrive and they're going to be more adaptable for it in the long run. So powerful. And for you personally, Michelle, like what does moving on mean for you? Like what did that feel like? What, what was the energy of that? What does it mean to you? To me, it meant finally finding the self-confidence in myself to say, okay, I'm good by myself. I had never, ever, ever, ever left a relationship without having another one on the back burner. I was scared wow. of being alone. Yeah. I just, a lot of people do that. I mean, how many, how many pe- people that I know, I've probably right. done that too. Like, And yes, I met my new husband very shortly after my separation, but it was like a fluke really random weird thing. And I was so excited actually about finally stepping into my power of being alone and like just not putting any emphasis on the next relationship, turning all that emphasis on myself and what I needed to do and, you know, learning to be a mom on my own. And that energy was empowering. I think the best word was like the sense of empowerment in moving on, of knowing that I could do it by myself, going to bed by myself at night and feeling good about it, owning the fact that it would be hard sometimes and finding ways to distract myself or get through it. Like it was such a journey of self-exploration for me. And I'm so glad that I had the opportunity because if I didn't, I might still be this same unhealed hot mess that I was in my first marriage. My next question for you was like, do you think it's possible to have a healthy co-parenting relationship with an ex and what does it take? But we, we know that you do believe that. I do believe it. And and understanding what a healthy co-parenting relationship means is important. People think a healthy co-parenting relationship is me and my ex are best friends and we take the kids for ice cream together every Sunday. That's not a healthy co-parent. I mean, yes, that can be, but that's not a prerequisite. You don't have to be best friends with your ex in order to have a healthy co-parenting relationship. What you both need, like I said, is an understanding that we're going to keep the kids at the center of our decision-making processes not put them in the middle of our emotions. We are going to respect each other's boundaries and we're going to let each each other like live and let live with the kids. We're going to step back from the need to control. We're going to have faith that the other parent has the children's best interests at heart, that they're not, you know, taking them to strip clubs on a weekend. They're doing, you know, what what regular parents do and and they're doing their best. And I think that's what a healthy co-parenting relationship is. And I think it's really unfair. You know, the media celebrates co-parents, you know, celebrities who like, they spend time with their kids together. Oh my God. And then the rest of the regular world is like, oh, I can't do that. Am I a shitty co-parent? And that's not the case. I don't think, you know, those, those co-parents who spend time together may not be making the best child focused decisions. So you can't look at a picture and judge it. So what do you think are the top three keys to having a a successful co-parenting relationship with your ex? Respect for your, your ex as a parent, not necessarily as a partner. You may not respect them anymore as a partner, but you have to respect them as a parent if they are a safe and healthy space for your kids. The other is respect for your children. Like your children didn't choose to have this reality. They didn't choose divorce, you did. So respecting that they they are entitled and they deserve a happy, healthy, secure relationship with the other parent. That means not dumping all your emotions on your children. And lastly, it's being flexible, like learning to give up a little control, understanding that sometimes what's best for the kids isn't necessarily written in the parenting plan. If you're trying to like, you know, hold your 
your ex accountable for his actions through the kids, you're never going to be able to move on. Like, no, I won't let you take my day because you got an amazing, you know, you got amazing tickets to a heat game to take the kids. I'm not going to let you because you hurt me. Like, come on. Let, let, or, or the parenting plan doesn't say it's your day, so you can't. You got to take a step back and, and put your ego aside. That's the last most important thing. Well, where do boundaries fit into that? Um, I think boundaries fit in in knowing that like you can be a good co-parent and say no, right? Like you don't want your you don't want your ex like taking all your time. You can say, hey, you know what? I did give you a day last week because I thought it was great that you got the tickets and the boys love the heat, but I. I haven't had a lot of time with them this week. So let's, let's, you know, let me give you an IOU on that. You can say no, you could still be flexible. Um, another thing boundaries need to fit into, and, and a lot of people don't realize this, is you don't have to be an open book to your, your co-parent. Like in the beginning, I remember me, every time I had Bella, I'd be texting my ex like, and then we're doing this and then we're doing that. And that like, he didn't need to know that. And then when I would ask him, what are you guys doing? Like, I didn't get the same response. And I'm like, well, why? It's because each each parent is entitled to their own personal time with the kids. Um, and so boundaries fit in in that sense. And, and lastly, you know, if you are, I know so many people are dealing with a high conflict um, <clears throat> individual who is making their lives. You talk about that turn. a lot. Yeah, because it's a reality for more people than not, at least for all of my clients, um, boundaries are everything in that case, learning to say no and stick to it, learning to not show up to every battle you're invited to, you know, mm. putting your foot down and saying, we're parenting. There's no room for anything else in this. So if you have a question about the kids, I'll answer it. Otherwise, you know, toodaloo and have a great day. Michelle, you're amazing. And I'm, I'm so, I'm so grateful to have you here and share this space with you and really help, help people, you know, and, and if we help one person today, I mean, we'll have done our job, right? So That's where can I people feel, yeah. purchase your book? My book is everywhere. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, just Google mom's moving on book. Uh, also on my website, which is mom's moving on on the link in my bio through my Instagram page, the Michelle Dempsey. And of course the podcast is mom's moving on and um, that's work. I'm also very proud of. I'm so grateful for you. And I know that you're doing great things and thank you. best of luck. Thank you so much for taking time on a Sunday morning to be on my show, the know with Nikki Spo. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much to today's sponsor and overall great friend to The Know, Lifetime. I love Lifetime work and I am so grateful that I have had the opportunity to have my workspace at this gorgeous location. Don't forget to check out www.work.lifetime.life to learn more. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Mm -hmm.